I'm Denzel Mohammed, and this is JobMakers. Is it any surprise that the epicenters of innovation, like Kendall Square and Silicon Valley, also have incredible diversity? That the cities with the highest rates of PhDs, like Brookline, Massachusetts, or Palo Alto, California, are multi-ethnic and multicultural. The United States attracts the world's best and brightest to give us Google and Tesla and the Moderna vaccine. But the thing that links the Nobel Prize-winning immigrants with those picking our vegetables and washing our dishes is opportunity. For Dr. Bernard Oye, co-founder and CEO of Vedanta Biosciences, Seeking Opportunity brought him all the way from Catalonia, Spain, to Cambridge, Massachusetts, where he continued his chemical engineering studies at MIT. Navigating the complex immigration system while seeking purpose in his career, he eventually found his calling and was lucky enough to remain in the U.S. to see it through, designing a new class of medicines to modulate the human microbiome. When foreign talent is welcomed into vibrant, entrepreneurial ecosystems like those in the U.S., when they're able to collaborate with Americans and from people with people from around the world, they can come up with incredible ideas to benefit humanity, and everyone wins. Bernard also feels a sense of kinship with immigrants far removed from labs and boardrooms. He knows that, just like those with nothing but a suitcase and a dream, the same thing brought them here, seeking opportunity, as you'll discover in this week's JobMakers. Bernard Oye, welcome to JobMakers. Good to see you, Tenzo. I remember you describing uh, this concept of the microbiome and relating it to antibiotics. in this fascinating story of your honeymoon and you have this radical uh, way of thinking of no let let the body figure it out take us back to that time and 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 why is this kind of field of, of science important today all species of animals live colonized with microbes uh on on the skin on the intestinal tract in the mouth in the vaginal tract all those mucosas are chock full of microbes and that's the way it's been from the very beginning before we evolved as a species, this world was a bacterial soup. So every species has evolved surrounded by bacteria. And so it's not surprising that these bacteria play very important, very important roles in health. And specifically, the bacteria that live in humans are, are referred to with the term human microbiome. Uh, and so that's basically the collection of bacteria that you carry around for life with you since the moment you were born. And specifically in the intestine, that community is most dense. That's where you have the most bacteria. You have on the other trillions of bacteria, almost as, as, as many or more microbial cells in your body than, than homo sapien cells. And they play a very important roles. They, they help protect from infection. They help um, calibrate the, the set point of your immune system, which is important in, in autoimmunity, in allergy, potentially in cancer. And there's a number of things that we do in our modern life that perturb that community. Um, the diet that we eat has a big effect on the microbes that we have inside because what we eat is what they eat. So the Western diet uh, is generally not great for microbes. 
Um, that's why the that's maybe the reason why there's a number of chronic diseases that are advancing more rapidly in the West than in the developing world. Um, the use of antibiotics is another big perturbation. Um, from the time we're born until uh, our teen years, um, the the average person gets tens of courses of antibiotics, um, and uh, cumulatively. Some of them can have a, a, an important effect in damaging the communities of microbes in the intestine. And so one of the things that we're trying to do as a company is um, be able to undo some of the damage, some of collateral damage that antibiotics leave behind. Their, their use is sometimes warranted, sometimes unwarranted. Run back to the, the honeymoon story. But they're here to stay, um, and they're very necessary in, in hospital settings. But also they, they create a series of issues, you know, use the antibiotics to, to prevent certain problems and then other problems emerge. You become more susceptible to picking up infections from the hospital environment when your gut has no natural competitors against those pathogens. So one of the things we're trying to do is come after antibiotics that have been used for the purpose that they need to be used for and, and do some of their damage by helping reconfigure or, or, or rebalance the, the, the community of bacteria that's in the intestine that had been damaged by the, by, by the antibiotic. And in doing so, we, we hope uh, as a starting point that we can prevent uh, reinfections that are very problematic, for example, in hospital settings. And when you were first starting out as an immigrant with you know, an accent uh, in the Boston area, how were you received? And as a European person, knowing what it's, the entrepreneurial environment was like back then, let's say in the late 90s when you started school, uh, how do you think it would, you would, a foreigner would have been received there? So um, I think my integration with in the U.S. was was very smooth. Um, I mean, today I'm an American citizen. My child is a uh, American and Catalan, and and I I I identify uh, uh, as one of us. And um, I really have to think hard to think of instances where I have been treated as an immigrant uh, in a in a uh, in a negative way. The first year I came, I remember when I was a poor, a poor graduate student, I would go to buy my fruit at, Hay, at Haymarket. If you've ever been there on, on, uh, on weekend mornings. So, so <laughs> it's very cheap, but, but it's also terrible quality. Like half of the fruit is really literally rotten. And so I remember the first times I go there, I would try to pick the fruit rather than have the one that they hand you. Because when they hand it to you, like half of it is, is you have to throw it away. But the the store owners hate it when people try to pick the fruit. And so I remember, uh, you know, in one of my first visits, somebody somebody really got pissed off that I was trying to pick the fruit and say, like, just go back to where you came from. Um, but that's literally like the, the, the only time that has ever happened to me. And, and if, if this was reversed, if it was like a person trying to like come to Spain, especially if you look any different than, than the locals. Um, I feel like the the, the racing, racism there runs in, in deeper ways. The US has 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 issues of course with 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 race and there's a lot of work to do. Um, but I think some of the other countries like in old school Europe that have traditionally seen less immigration and a bit more insular um, are are much less prepared to welcome and uh, assimilate people from other um, uh, origins and get to a point where, where they're one of them. I'm, I'm having a hard time imagining how the experiment in the opposite direction uh, could have been as smooth. And so 
I guess my parting point on this is that for all the issues that we have with immigration in the U.S. and with racism, the U.S. has done a much better job at assimilating and benefiting from the contributions of the immigrants as just about any other country in the world. And thank you for acknowledging that. I think that's a really important point to make, and that's what makes this country special. Um, I want to take it back a few years. You had the experience, as did did I, of feeling that intense pressure where your visa is about to run out yes. and you're not sure what what's going to happen, what, you, what you're going to do. It's a lot of uncertainty. Um, tell us about that time for you. Yeah. So I, I did my, uh, I've been doing my PhD at MIT and I was hoping to find uh, a job in the U.S. and stay here after the PhD. Um, and I was on a J-1 visa and that expired you know, a short period of time after I graduated. Uh, and I I did a, a pretty bad, I should say atrocious job search in that like, I was just doing doing the work and I figured, yeah, like when I'm done, people are gonna wanna hire me because look, I went to these great schools. And the world, the, the world doesn't really work like that, right? Like you have to, you have to really do the homework. Um, and, and basically what I found uh, is that when I interviewed, I, I um, you know, I didn't put a lot of care or thought into what I should do. I just interviewed with, with firms that were reputable. Why? Because other people did it too, like some of the, the well-known strategy consulting firms. Just a terrible way to go about uh, picking a career, incidentally. Uh, and so I was rejected by just about every one of them. Um, and it was only when I had a few we- weeks left on, on my visa and I really had to think through, okay, what do I really want to do? That finally I put some thought into like the career that I wanted and ended up going in the direction that I went. Um, but yeah, my, my first job offer, which was in a, in a venture creation firm in town that started by tech companies, um, came really, really close to the, uh, to the bell, um, but and I guess um, it could have gone a different way, and that bad planning could have resulted in me going back home. Uh, and and then, as you know, like finding a job from abroad becomes a much more complicated process. Um, but because I did get a job here, then I jumped on the on the train of the OPT H one green card citizenship, which. Is a train that at most times in the United States has worked very well. And during the last administration, there were some serious um, steps back, as, as you know. But for me, this was actually a very smooth process. And it was around that time that you got, uh, you were able to secure uh, work in the U.S. that this idea of purpose uh, was 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 playing a role in the kinds of, of jobs you were looking for and the kind of trajectory you wanted to have. Um, I vividly recall another MIT grad on this podcast and immigrant entrepreneurs saying, you know, everyone from MIT graduates and, you know, wants to do good in the world. And then they go on to work at the biggest consulting firms. Mm-hmm. You were in a privileged position as an MIT graduate with a PhD. How did that idea of purpose and giving back shape where you are today? And where do you plan on going with that? My, my career path was very much born out of rejection. I try to follow the, the career path that, that, that others, um, in, in business school and in graduate school followed, um, which is the classic, you know, try to go to a very well-known firm, uh, like a strategy consulting firm or a bank where you're paid very well and it looks beautiful on a resume 
And it's basically the game of compensation, titles, prestige. Uh, and, and I probably very much would have played that game if if, if I hadn't been rejected. Um, the blessing was that by getting rejected from those firms, I actually had to really think, okay, what, what do I really want to do? And the reality is that I had never dreamt about working for clients, evaluating mergers and acquisitions or market shares of consumer products. Like, um, <laughs> that's not what I was passionate about. I like science. I like that bi- sounds like so much fun. Come on. Yes. I like science. I like biotechnology. I, in my free time, I would read papers. That's what I would do. Um, and so basically, my first job was going to do something that I already like to do for free, which was read about cool science, talk with inventors about cool science, and try to figure out, you know, can you imagine translating that to people? And is there a role for, for a biotech company to, to try to do that? And that's what I did for for my first decade professionally until one of these projects that I started became obsessive enough for me that I didn't want to do anything else. And then I I decided that I just uh, focus on on that full-time and that was Vedanta, my current company. Hearing you talk about your experience, I I find it fascinating. And I see um, that an immigrant has a certain special quality, but at the same time, you were a young person, you were just going with the flow, doing what everyone else was doing. And as you said, you didn't have this master plan. And so you end up with, you know, a few weeks before your visa is about to end. And suddenly you have to go beyond what your classmates were doing and think more strategically and position yourself in such a way that you would be able to stay in the U.S. and continue this investment that you had made to come all the way across the world, spend money and and get an education at MIT and continue living that dream. Today, you're a strong advocate for immigration reform, particularly making it easier for immigrants like you who are inherently entrepreneurial to start businesses here in the U.S. that create jobs for Americans. Um, Tell us more about your feelings as to the immigration system being able to work for people like you and other high-skilled immigrants. Yeah, I think that the immigration system and the immigration culture in the U.S. has been a gift for both the U.S. and, and for immigrants during most times. And, and this country sort of has cycles and, um, you know, depending on the government, we've moved forward or we've moved, or we've moved backwards. Um, but the arc has been in the direction of immigration adding a lot to the country. Uh, I think that the, the U.S. is, is really in a, in a privileged position where because of, of its culture of having been more welcoming to people that come here seeking from, for seeking opportunity um it has and 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 because of being a an open um uh, liberal place in the world uh where such um immigrant entrepreneurs can find a welcoming environment to actually pursue their their um their objectives which is something that other superpowers don't have like this combination of a welcoming culture because of that the, the a lot of folks have come here and, and made very substantial contributions to the economy uh, and also benefited by you know, developing their careers in a way that they could not have developed their careers back where, where they came from. Um, so, you know, I think this is really a unique gift of this land um, that many other countries in the world would like to have. And I think this is very important, um, very important to preserve. 
because if in the future that ceased and the talent, entrepreneurial talent in in tech, in biotech, in other areas, decided that it's better for them to develop uh, their careers and pursue opportunities um, in China or somewhere else. Uh, the the U.S. would stop being the very competitive economy and society that it is. And I'd like to direct our listeners to the fact that the Nobel Prizes are being announced. And guess who's winning them in the U.S.? Foreign-born people who came here to study and innovate uh, has been a huge trend. 30% of our Nobel laureates have been people born in other countries. Um, specifically, the past four years, um, we saw a dramatic decrease in the number of uh, visas that were issued, the number of international students who were coming here to study. Um, and then we had this pandemic, and the first two vaccines came from companies that had immigrant co-founders. Mm-hmm. Not just that, immigrants are concentrated in industries that got us through the pandemic, like cleaning, like healthcare. Um, can you talk a little bit about the impact of, of immigration in the U.S. during this pandemic from what you've yeah. seen? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I can talk about biotechnology because that's that's the, the field that's near and dear to me. And you said you're right, the, the impact on how the world got out of COVID was sensational, right? You have the founder uh, of, of BioNTech, the founders of Moderna, uh, the CEO of Pfizer, um, and the list goes on because there's many people that have been involved in, in these amazing um, vaccine projects that are immigrants that have been welcomed welcome in, in some cases, in Europe, in some cases in the US. And um, the combination has been so crucial, right? Because it's not a coincidence that so much of the innovation with vaccines has happened in the US. It, it happened here because this is a country that values its pharmaceutical and biotechnology industry as a national security asset in a ways that other countries in the world don't. Uh, other countries in the world are content with free riding with some of the innovation that takes place in the US and not spending on those industries. Um, in the US, the approach has been different. And, and, and then at the same time, you have this, this brilliant uh, immigrants coming in, attracted by this environment and supercharging it by creating these companies that in the moment of need come through, right? And I, I think that, um, you know, Pfizer, Moderna, BioNTech, this, these groups coming through with, with, a, with a vaccine that we got in our arms in less than a year, uh, which in, in, in two of the cases was a completely new technology that had not been used before with, with precedent. It's, it's, just, uh, it's just phenomenal. Uh, that 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 was possible. So, and, but but you know, it's not surprising to anybody in the industry that there were so many immigrants involved because you know you look at any company like our company, there's a significant portion of of folks that were born elsewhere, um, and the reality is that you know talent, intelligence, skills are fairly widely distributed all over the world, um, and you know, the ability to attract it to Cambridge and concentrate it here so that companies can benefit from um, is a, uh, is what's made the biotech industry so powerful and so influential in Massachusetts, right? 
you're in the business of saving lives. You're a job creator. Uh, you're a scientist. You're in the heart of Cambridge, Massachusetts. Yet, I know that when you were awarded the Barry Important Immigrant Entrepreneur Award for Life Science in 2019, you found a link to your own, from your own immigrant story to those foreign-born students from Africa and Eastern Europe that your mother taught many years ago. What is that link? Yes, so uh, uh, my mother, who, who's now retired, uh, used to be a teacher. Um, and for, for a good part of her career, uh, he, uh, she taught uh, immigrants that um, were coming most often from the north of Africa, but at other times from Eastern Europe and at other times also from Central America, um, either because of war or unrest in their areas or just because of proximity allowing opportunity in the case of Northern African uh, immigrants. Um, this would often be, um, you know, a lot of immigration from Northern Africa initially came because we grow a lot of fruit in, in the country and there was a need for, for labor to help pick it up. Um, but now those communities have established and they stayed there and they brought their families and they needed to learn the language. They needed to learn how to apply for a driver's license or, or how to fill a form for social security. Uh, and if you don't speak the language and you don't know some of the basic things, um, it, it's hard to do that first step of integrating, right? So um, my mom, you know, helped uh, many of these immigrants with this first step of some, do some of the basic thing, like learn, learn the language, learn how, learn how to do some of the basic things that you're going to have to do to become like a functioning citizen in, in, the, in this place. But, you know, there's a common element in, in all forms of, of immigration, which is this, this search for opportunity, right? Uh, looking for something better than maybe you, you don't imagine being able to do where you are. And so in that sense, the mindset is, is, uh, is, is the same mindset across all, all immigrants, right? Um, you're, you're willing to leave certain things behind that you like because you want to take the risk of, of something that could be better. And you're leaving behind family and a culture that, that you grew up in and, and food that you loved in order to seek that opportunity. It's, 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 it's not an easy thing to do. Um, Bernard Oye, thank you so much for joining us on JobMakers. I really appreciated talking to you today, and I, I wish you all the success in the world. Thanks, Danza. JobMakers is a weekly podcast about immigrant entrepreneurship and contribution produced by Pioneer Institute, a think tank in Boston, and the Immigrant Learning Center, a not-for-profit that gives immigrants a voice. Thank you so much for joining us for today's inspiring story of another enterprising immigrant entrepreneur. If you have feedback or know someone we should talk to, email Denzo, that's D-E-N-Z-I-L, at jobmakerspodcast.org. I'm Denzo Mohammed. Join us next Thursday at noon for another episode of Jobmakers. <laughs>